All right, well, you guys know what we've been talking about. So we've been talking about how to quit faking your faith, become an authentic Christian. Anybody remember what we talked about last week? Hmm. Yeah, that was Wednesday. Yeah, so you've gone back. So that's like four days back. Let's go seven days back. All right, we talked about make Jesus more... More what? <laughs> more than a friend. All right. So we said, make Jesus more than a friend. And we talked about, you know, Jesus doesn't, wants us to be more than just friendly with him. He wants us to be his disciples. We talked about discipleship, about what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Okay. So today we are going on to the next topic of how do we quit faking our faith and become authentic Christians. And so for today, that is hate Sin, okay? Hate sin. Now, there's actually a handout that I'm going to get to you in just a few minutes here, but before we do that, um, we are going to, let's do this. I'm going to start by saying what the goal of this series is, okay? Why are we talking about this series, okay? The first thing is, I want to say that we shouldn't be asking the question, how do I defend myself against these topics, How do I defend myself and say, no, I really am a Christian, I really am a Christian, even though all signs point to the fact that maybe I'm not, okay? The goal of our series is to be honest with ourselves and really self-examine. Am I living an authentic Christian life? And if not, where do I need to change? How do I need to change, okay? So I want to encourage you as we go through today, be honest with yourself. Ask yourself, do I really hate sin? Does my life look like a life of someone who really hates sin? Okay, so jumping into it question is, are you playing for your team? Okay. Now you guys know if you're an NFL fan that this is the time of the year when all the free agents, which means the guys whose contracts are over and they can, you know, get signed by another team. This is where all the free agents are, you know, starting to feel out the market. Who wants to hire me? And, and sometimes some of our favorite players from our team leave and they go and they start playing for another team, right? So I don't know if you guys know, but Matt Forte already contract has not been re-signed with the Bears, we'll probably be playing for another team next year, okay? And it's always tough to see the greatest players on your team go and play in someone else's jersey, right? So let's go through a few of the greats who have played in diff- different jerseys, right? So we've got Brett Favre. Brett Favre, you know, he, he played for Green Bay, I mean, you know, all-time greatest quarterback at Green Bay, and then what happened? Wah, wah, goes to the Jets. I don't know if you guys remember this, but he played for the Jets for one year. You guys know why he played for the Jets for a year? It's because part of his contract when he left Green Bay was that he wouldn't go and play for one of the teams in his own division, meaning the Vikings or the Bears or the Lions, okay? So he had to go play for someone else. So he played for the Jets for one year, and then when the year was over, he goes and he puts on the Vikings jersey and, and comes back into Green Bay wearing a Vikings jersey. Now, how many of you guys, Green Bay fans, it's okay, Right? It's tough seeing Brett put on a different jersey, right? Oh, See him play for another team, okay? We got another one, Peyton Manning, right? So we got Peyton Manning, Colt for so many years, and then what happened? Oh, oh man, how'd that get on there? Wow, <laughs> that is not what I meant to do. Wow, well, just so happens he just won the Super Bowl. But there he is, there he is, sporting the Broncos jersey, right? And I'm sure for many Colts fans, I was tough. I was actually at Hubble 
Uh, middle school, I saw a girl wearing a Peyton Manning jersey. I'm like, yeah, you like the Broncos? Are you from Denver? She's like, no, actually, I liked the Colts, but I really liked Peyton Manning, and then I switched teams when he switched. So that's allegiance right there, switching who you root for. He looks more uh, afraid in the second picture. He looks, he, he does. <laughs> yes, he's definitely aged. Jay Cutler, look at this. I mean, he used to be a Bronco, played for the Broncos. And then we were so nice that we gave him to you guys, right? We gave him to the Bears. Where he's fumbling and getting sacked. <laughs> so that one was a little bit easier for us to see him in a different jersey. But sorry, guys. Sorry, the Bears. And then one more. I mean, this one, I, I mean, this might surprise you, but you'll understand if you're at the middle school retreat. Drew Clark. <laughs> Drew Clark was classic for halfway through the game switching teams, right? He's just switched teams, went and played for the other team. So... Yeah, it hits home a little bit. Kind of gets you right there if you were at the uh, middle school retreat. So it's tough. It's tough seeing some of your favorite guys go play for different teams. All right, so we're going to keep it on Drew for a minute here. Now, as much as it bugs us, you know, that someone goes and plays for the other team, this is what Christians do all the time, okay? When we become a Christian, we put on this jersey that says, I'm a Christian now, Okay? And when we do that, we're saying that we have left behind us a life of sin, that we're going to leave our old ways and we're going to live a new way. The problem is that so many Christians put on that Christian jersey and yet they keep playing for their old team. And how would it feel if you watched, you know, Brett Favre get out there, you know, he's got his Broncos jersey on, they're playing the Colts, and then all of a sudden he just goes, yeah, he just walks over to the other side and says, I'm going to play for the Colts today. How would you feel? How would I feel? I'd be ticked, right? Like, what are you doing, right? You're, you're, you're on the wrong side. And you have to think, which team are you really on? Are you on the team whose jersey you're wearing? Or are you on the team that you're playing for? And so many Christians, we put on the Christian jersey, but we play for the old team. We continue to love sin. We continue to entice sin. And we continue to live lives of sin. So today, we want to ask, which team are we really playing for? Are we playing for the Christian team or are we playing for our old team, the team that is the team characterized by sin, the non-Christian team, all right? And the major difference in being able to determine that is to look at what role sin plays in our lives. And so in order to do that, we're going to begin with a little pair activity, okay? So instead of small groups, we're going to do this. You're going to get into pairs, so two people. You're going to open up 1 John 3, 4 through 10, and then you're going to make a list of all the characteristics. You don't have to write it out, but you can kind of just highlight or note in your Bible. Where is it talking about the children of God and what do they do? And where is it talking about what it calls in there the children of the devil and what do they do? Okay? Try to look exactly at what the language John is using. Okay? So pairs, 1 John 3, 4 through 10. Go ahead. Pairs is two people, for those of you who don't know.
You guys had a chance to kind of read through it here? Right, let's go ahead and we'll start making the list, okay? So, um, let's start with verse 6, or verse, I guess verse 4 is the beginning here. And you just tell me, kind of read the phrase, raise your hand, read the phrase, and which side the phrase should go on. Who is it describing, okay? So, who's got one for me? Elise. Um, what says, verse? What verse? Um, number four. Okay. Verse four says, everyone who makes a practice of sin also practices lawlessness. So go on the children of the devil. All right. So verse four. Okay. So everyone. Who makes a practice of sinning, right? Everyone makes a practice of sinning. Also practices lawlessness. Okay, great. Alright, anybody else have one that should go up here? What phrase can we put on which which side? Yes. King. It says the children of God. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. So righteous for the children of God. Awesome, okay. So that's verse seven, right? Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Righteous. Yes. It's righteous. Alright, good. Anybody else? What else can we put up here? Yeah, David. Um, verse 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Awesome. Which side? Uh, children of God. Okay, excellent. So verse 6, we've got no one who abides in him. Who's the him? Yeah, Jesus. Verse 9. Okay, keeps on sinning. Anybody else? Nine. Nine? Okay, what do we see there? No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Okay. No one 
born of God. Makes a practice of sinning, okay? Anybody else? Verse 8, it says whoever practices sinning is of the devil. Okay. Whoever practices, or I'm sorry, it doesn't say practice, whoever makes a practice. Sinning is born of the devil. Okay, anyone else? Verse 10, uh, it says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Okay, verse 10. Stop there, okay? Any, um, as you guys look at that list, does that evoke any kind of questions? Is there anything maybe troubling for you personally as you see that? As a, as a Christian, as someone who wants to be a Christian, wants to live the Christian life? What do you guys think? It's hard to understand when it says, no one who abides on him keeps on sinning because it's impossible for us to not sin. Yeah, all of us, you know, we should read that and just kind of be like, oh, wait, I kind of keep on sinning, don't I? So what does this mean? Does this mean that I'm not really a Christian? Does this mean I'm not a child of God? Anybody else read that and you kind of feel that way? I do. Okay, so it should lead that. So we need to ask some important questions of this in order to really understand what we are getting at here. So first question, do I really need to stop sinning in order to be a genuine Christian? Do I need to stop saying be a gen- Well, go ahead, flip back a few pages and go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 and look at verse 8. And I want to show you first that John, he's not always the easiest to understand. He kind of, the way he reasons is it's not like straightforward. It can kind of be like circular reasoning. So he goes in circles. So look at this. 1 John 1, 8 says... If we, have, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay, so I read that and I think, oh, thank goodness. We can have sin, right? Because I'll, I'll be a liar if I said I didn't sin. So, but you might go on and say, so that means that I can just keep on sinning and still be a Christian. Well, look at verse chapter 2 now, verse 1. Skip down chapter 2, verse 1. What does he say? My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Oh, okay, so I'm, I'm supposed to stop sinning, right? Okay, but then look at verse 2, 1, keep going. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ, the righteous, okay? So, oh, good, so I can sin, right? Because Jesus is there. But wait, keep going, look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Oh, no, so I need to stop sinning again, right? <laughs> And so you, you see that, and you keep reading, you're like, I have to keep all the commandments, so that means I'm not sinning. What is it? 
it can be really confusing. So let's go ahead and jump to the next question. What is the difference between a fake Christian and a genuine, that should say genuine, it is, does say genuine, shouldn't have an and, right? No and, not a vowel, good. Christian when it comes to sin, okay? So what is the difference between a fake Christian and a genuine Christian when it comes to this topic of sin? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to look at the specific language that's being used in 1 John. So what are the words that John is using? He says, whoever what? That's the next word. Whoever practices... Trash can. Ho ho! It's not good. It's not good. off my finger. Woo! Don't get to live the old glory days very often with that. All right. Whoever. Come down from that high. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Okay, next. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Uh, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. If we come over here, everyone who makes a practice of sinning, whoever makes a practice of sinning is born of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not God, okay? And so what we see here is the verbs, the language that John is using, is he's using language that's talking about what are you doing continually? What do you continue to do? What describes you? What characterizes you as a person? And if we look at the children of God, we'll see that what characterizes them is that they're not a people who, or there are people who practice righteousness. This is what characterizes them. They don't keep on sinning and sinning. They don't make a practice of sinning. It's not, you know, what your modus operandi is? Your modus operandi is like what your default mode is. You know, like the screensaver on your computer? That's, this is your most, what do you do? What's your screensaver? Is your screensaver that you just go and go back to your old pattern of sin? Or is it that you go to following Christ? Okay, and the children of the devil, these are people who, they do make a practice of sinning. It's their regular behavior. They make a practice of sinning. They do not practice righteousness. It's not the thing that they normally do. Okay, so what is the difference between Christians and non-Christians when it comes to sin? The difference is what are they characterized by? What's their normal mode of operation? So let's think about some differences and how this might work out. Think about impure images on the internet. There's a difference. Actually, don't think about them. That would, don't think about them. <laughs> now everyone's thinking about them. Don't think about them. Um, impure images, okay? Consider this. If the difference between someone who's doing research on the internet for their history paper and stumbles upon an image and sadly falls into sin because of it, and the person who opens up their computer with the intention of going and finding those images. Okay? There's a difference, isn't there? Or think about anger. It's a difference between someone who is in a tense situation and, and loses control and bursts out in anger at someone and someone who is angry at someone and looks forward to the moment when they are going to find that person and rip them a new one. It's different situations. Think about gossip. Think about someone who's heard something else about someone else and, and you know, it comes up in conversation and they just say it and they think afterwards, man, I really shouldn't have said that. That was just gossiping. That was not helpful to my friend. It's not helpful to the person who heard it. 
And the person who's looking for gossip and excited about the newest information that they can spread and share with other people. Okay, one is falling into sin. The other is looking for it, practicing it, moving towards it, okay? One willingly goes about sinning while the other, while they still do sin, it's not their modus operandi. It's not what they want to do. It's not what they're trying to do, okay? And this is the difference between what we see, the relationship between sin of a non-Christian in their life or a Christian's life. Okay, so let's look at the next question. If God doesn't expect me to stop sinning, okay, which he doesn't, what should my life look like if I am a genuine Christian? What should I look like? Well, the big idea is that your life should look different than when you started becoming a Christian or when you weren't a Christian. Different is the big idea here. You should be growing. You should be changing, not just from the first day you were a Christian, but from year to year to year. You should not be the same per- person three years from now that you are now when it comes to sin and righteousness. All right, let's look at an illustration. Let me draw an illustration for you. Okay? How many of you guys are in the thick of doing graphs during math class? Solving graphs. Okay, so here we go. We're going to do circle graphs, also called pie charts, which are cruel ways that math teachers make us hungry in the middle of us. Pi r squared. Okay, so we've got our pie graphs here, all right? And let's think about when you are a non Christian. Or when you are, you know, day one of being a Christian, okay? Let's say you've been a Christian for five years. Let's say you've been a Christian for 30 years, all right? Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit, okay? And in Galatians, it talks about, here's the fruit of the Spirit, but it also talks about the flesh and the desires of the flesh. And it talks about how we should be growing in the fruit of the Spirit, and we should be killing the desires of the flesh. We talked about this during our winter retreat. And so for a non-Christian, you might say, you know, this is sin, where sin is in their life, is in control. And, well, actually for a non-Christian, it's hard to say if there's any righteousness, right? Because everything we do, even things that appear righteous, are done for our own gain. Okay? Well, we'll say that the green is they've got a little bit of righteousness in them, okay? Now, what would you expect the graph to look like on day number one of following Jesus? Just a little bit more than that. All right? A little bit more, if not exactly the same, right? Because day number one, you've just chosen to start following Jesus, and you've still got tons in your heart. Now, we, it's really important that we make a distinction here. This is not the way God sees you anymore, right? The way God sees you day number one is all green. Because Jesus' righteousness is given to you, and your sin is given to Jesus. So God sees you all green, but functionally, the role that sin has in your life, it still has a role in your life, doesn't it? Five years down the road, though, we're hoping that some things have changed, right? And your life has more fruit of righteousness and less sin, and 30 years down the road, maybe we're looking at something like this. You've got a lot more righteousness. But sin doesn't go away, does it? Okay? 
And so as you judge yourself, and what is a Christian life supposed to look like, what is John talking about when he's talking about sin, this is what we're talking about, that we stop making sin our daily practice. We don't do it as our daily modus operandi. We grow in the fruit of the Spirit. We grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And we see change. We're different over time. The second thing that I want to point out is that we should be characterized by a three-step process. Okay? True Christians are characterized by three things when it comes to sin. The first thing is revulsion. Okay? When you, re you feel revulsion is when you feel something, it just makes you sick to your stomach. Okay? It makes you feel yucky, icky. Okay? And that's how sin should make us feel if we are genuine Christians. When we sin, we should not be suited by it. It shouldn't feel good. We shouldn't feel comfortable in it. We should feel regret. We should feel shame, disappointment. Okay? It should make us feel wrong. And not only us, but we should feel that way when we see sin even in other people. Okay? So think about your friends. Think about the people that you choose to hang out with on a daily basis. Are you comfortable with the sin that's in their life? Or the ways that you get caught up in the sin that's in their life. Or you should think about even the movies you watch. Or the music you listen to. Now, I'm a guy who, I like to dance, believe it or not. Okay, I don't, let, I don't let loose that often. But when I'm in the privacy of my own basement with my two little kids, I dance. And, uh, don't I, Angel? She does too. And uh, we have a lot of fun. And lately we've been doing dance workouts. Because, you know, it's just fun to dance and, and work out at the same time. And so... I, I'm always looking for music with a good beat, and so I go on Spotify, top, you know, dance playlist, throw it on there, and guys, it's pretty bad, right? Yeah, it's got a good beat, but every single song is about sex. Come to my house, come over to my house, I'm open, I'm free, I'm, this is what every song is about, literally. And I'm like, literally, I'm like, I know there's going to be a few, I'll just skip to the next one. The whole playlist. I'm like half a verse in, skip, 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 skip. And it's just impossible to get away from it. And so the question is, does that revolt you? Give, what is that word? Revulsion. Does it produce revulsion in you when you hear that in the songs you're listening to? So many of us, we justify our music because of the beat. It's got a good beat. It's got a good chorus even. But you listen to the verses or you listen to the rap in the middle of it or whatever it is, and it is just downright dirty. Okay, Do we live with sin and let it live in us in a way that suggests maybe we aren't revolted by sin? Maybe we're okay with it still. Same thing goes for our movies that we watch, right? Oh, well, it's just violence. People's heads are just getting cut off. It's all right. All right? Is, this, is, this, is that okay? Think about it, okay? All right? So think about when you watch movies, how do you feel, okay? And are you revolted by your sin? The second thing is, once we feel revulsion, a genuine Christian genuinely goes to repentance. This is where their heart's desire is. After they feel yucky by their sin, they say, God, I need to be made right with you, all right? And not only do I need to be made right with you confessing my sin, but that I don't want to go back down that path. Now, does that mean that a genuine believer will never do that sin again? No, okay? But in their heart of hearts, it's not their desire. They want to 
grow in godliness. They want to stop doing these sins. And finally, a genuine Christian experiences... Restoration. Because only genuine Christians know that once they've repented, they are not condemned. That God does forgive them. Okay, there are a lot of people in this world who they are sickened by the things they do. They say, oh, I just wish I could be free from this. I don't want it. And yet if they don't have Christ, they never feel restored. They're never in that place where they feel I am forgiven, I am free, I, I don't have to keep beating myself up. And this is what a Christian should do. This is what it should look like when we experience sin. Okay, so the question for us today is, are we genuine Christians? And so I have a little activity, a little worksheet for you to go through, and I just want you to be honest with yourself. That's the goal, is be honest with yourself and ask, am I a genuine Christian? And I have some questions on here that will help you to kind of determine that. Okay? So why don't you guys go ahead and pass it down this way. You guys pass it down that way. And I've got pens. You guys, you guys take one of those jars of pens? Right here you go. Take that and pass it down. Pass two to these guys up here.
You may have a few more left to go, but we're running out of time. So let's go ahead and finish up. Hopefully you felt like you were able to be honest with yourself in this little exercise. To answer the question in your mind, no, you don't need to turn it in. I will not be grading it. That's the difference between church and school, okay? School, you have to do things and turn them in so that you please the teacher. This is supposed to be done for your own sake, okay? This is your own uh, self-evaluation to determine, how am I doing? at following the Lord? How am I doing at fighting sin? Do I hate sin? And does my life show that I hate sin? Am I growing in righteousness? And it's not always easy to evaluate this, is it? Sometimes, some of us, we can be too hard on ourselves. And we can just constantly be like, I'm terrible. We're kind of like sadness in the movie uh, uh, Inside Out, right? Where everything's horrible. I can't do it, right? right? And some of us, we can be a little bit too easy on ourselves. Like, nah. I'm pretty good. I'm doing my best. God knows. It doesn't really matter. We'll see. Right? And so we need help. So my challenge to you is this, as we end. My challenge is you, it, to you is to ask someone that you respect, your small group leader, maybe your parents, um, a close and trusted friend. Ask someone you respect to give you an honest answer as to whether or not they see your life characterized more by sin or more by righteousness? Or you might even ask, do you see me growing in righteousness and decreasing in sin? Because that is the true mark of a genuine Christian. So think for a second. Think of someone you might want to ask that. And make a point of doing it. Don't, don't just walk out of here and say, that was nice, I don't remember what he said. Okay? If you remember one thing, ask somebody, is my life characterized by righteousness or sin? Am I growing in righteousness or do I seem to be continuing to live in sin? Okay, so play for the team that you belong to. All right, you have the jersey for Christianity, play for that team. Don't go to your old team.
Let's go ahead and close. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the fact that you have saved us so that we can grow in righteousness, so that we can conquer sin, so that we can repent and be uh, revolted by sin and repent and experience restoration with God. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please make sure that you get the pens back into the jars so that we can have them for the next time. Thank you.